TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, you got to hold it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 360. I am Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hey, this is Peter. I live in West Hollywood. Hi, this is David. I live in, uh, uh, where do I live? I live in German Oaks. And you're a TV enthusiast, I hear. I am. I work in post-production. And this is Greg. I'm a TV enthusiast from St. Louis. All right. Uh, let's start off with the news. Thanks, guys. Uh, first up, I have that SWAT has been giving the back nine on CBS for all you SWAT watchers. Uh, I'm actually halfway enjoying the show, so I'm not mad about it. Uh, Peter, you'll be happy to hear your girl Kat Denning has, uh, been selected to star in Hulu's new show, Dollface. Dollface? Okay. I do like her. Well, that's Since, why uh, I, was, I was like, oh, this is news Peter would like. Girl, but I mean, but I like her, yeah. Since her old show is being canceled, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it got canceled. <clears throat> so they said it was a surprise cancellation, but she's already working, so it's all good. Uh, here's big news. George Clooney is to star and direct in a limited series uh, based on the novel Catch-22. And he's so confident... Uh, they don't even have a network. They're just going to shoot the episodes and then shop for a network after it's done. Wow. Because he's George Clooney and he can do that. Um, Fear the Walking Dead uh, is having apparently a very big makeover, which I'm very happy about. Uh, Now that Scott Gimple has taken over the show... They have added a new series regular in the actress uh, Jenna Elfman, and she's a a pretty good uh, blonde older actress, which means fingers crossed for me uh, that oh, what is that woman's name? Megan Morgan Megan the lead chick on Fear the Walking Dead that I can't think of her name. Um, hoping that means she meets her demise because she sucks. Uh, <laughs> I I just really, really, really don't like her. She's like the worst thing about the show, and she's the lead. So, uh, by them casting a woman that's about her same age and similar look, she should be worried. She should be looking over her shoulder. <laughs> uh, Stana Kadic from Old Castle Days is uh has already i think starred in something called abstentia the it was one of those shows that they shot the whole series without figuring out where it was going to air and they just found their distributor which is amazon and it's supposed to air early 2018 and it's 10 episodes and she plays a fbi investigator uh for serial killers um i don't know how much i missed her from castle like i thought she was okay i'd be interested to see if she's actually any good in this new series because i couldn't really judge what do you guys think are you gonna check it out 
Nobody? I only saw a little of Castle, um, so I have no... Uh, I'm neutral. Well, I'm pretty neutral, too, because I was only watching Castle for Nathan Fillion. So, I'm not sure how I feel about her. But anyway. Yeah, I think all... it all depends on uh, how many you know, shows, you know, how many simultaneous shows I'm trying to record at the same time and see if <laughs> well, it's on uh, Amazon. So you don't have to record it. Oh, Oh, it's on Amazon. I'm sorry. I missed that part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll check it out at least a pilot and maybe one other app. Yeah. I'm curious. All right. Let's start off with the shows. First up, we have uh, star Trek and this was their fall finale uh, and it's supposed to get you all excited and keep paying CBS All Access for the next two months until the second part of the season starts. And the question is, did it accomplish that? Uh, what do you think, uh, Greg? Uh, no. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> just no, so no. okay. Um, no, no, I'm going to do the whole cancel, you know, just like people do with HBO and Game of Thrones. I'm going to do the cancel and then, you know, get the service back when it comes oh, back. Okay. I think it's I think it's good enough to get the service back. Uh, but um, just to hang on to it, and they're 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 already like throwing offers, like go ahead and sign up for a whole year, and we'll give you this much discount, you know, because they know it's going to happen. Well, I mean, yeah, because why would you keep it? There's only four more episodes left of Star Trek, like in January. There's no reason to keep CBS All Access after that. I mean, they're talking <laughs> about making new shows, but they haven't even started shooting any of them yet. So yeah, there's. Uh, but let's talk about the fall finale, which was basically the capture of, well, not really the capture. They went on a mission, Tyler and Michael, and uh, it dealt with a lot of PTSD where Tyler just like kind of lost it and was pretty just useless on the mission because he was curled up in a ball rocking. Um, but we were all right. The Admiral's still alive. Yay. Uh, so yeah, I called it. On that. Yeah. Um, and then they became a rescue mission, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, and then Michael basically had to do the mission on her own because Tyler was, like I said, curled up in a fetal ball. But I have to say that scene at the end with the Klingon, uh, when they have the flashback and show what was done to him, was just, it was kind of hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, so this was the first time I ever really felt anything for Tyler. Like, I think for the most part, he's been a pretty bland character, but this episode with his flashbacks and his trauma and everything, I was like, okay, I'm a little more sympathetic to him. I still don't know how I feel about him and Michael. Like, I just feel like she could do better. You know what I mean? It's just like, he's the only guy who's paid any attention to her and that's why she, she likes him, but... I think she could do better. Go ahead. Well, when we meet the character, we think he's fine. And he actually, you know, he, he seems all put together. And then, you know, he helps the, the Captain Lorca escape. But after right. seeing this last episode, he does not need to be on the bridge. That is <laughs> the place that you should be, you know, just losing it in the middle of like a battle with the Klingons. Oh, yeah, because he was in the middle of, of craziness. And he can't fire his weapon, he just collapses, and and I get that she was a trigger, but what freaked me out, too, was he goes to see her in her cell and just kneels there. And I was like, what, did, what is going on, man? And she knows that she still has control over him, and that's not good. 
That's not good at all. So, uh, and he's not, I don't think they really told any, well, they must have told somebody because the Admiral saw what happened. So it wasn't like they could keep that a complete secret. But he, if they don't have him in counseling in the next episode and he's just back on the bridge like nothing's wrong, that's a problem. Um, but uh, Michael got to be awesome and had a really big fight with the Klingon. Uh, did you check out her terrible stunt double? Did you see that or, or was that just me that saw that? I didn't catch it. Oh, it's terrible. I was like, first of all, wasn't even a black woman uh, was her stunt double. I was like, who the heck is that? Uh, so I was completely distracted by the, uh, non-matching stunt double, uh, um, but I thought the episode was pretty good, and it left, oh, where do you think they are? Because at the very end of the episode, we see Stemets, like, lose it, and the ship doesn't jump to where it's supposed to jump, so where are they? What's your guess? They're on their five-year mission. Oh, God. they're far enough. They're far enough away that they are not <laughs> returning. They're they're going to continue. That's why uh, they're. That's I think that's why they jumped out there. Oh, you saw the episode? I didn't realize. What are yeah. your thoughts about the episode? Go ahead, because I was I was talking to Greg like he was the only one who saw it. Oh no, I, it's on my list. Uh, I uh, I liked it. I mean, I I yeah. I, there were some some issues, like you said, with the. Uh, the PTSD, um, you know, he, he, that character um, has, like you said, has never been strong for me. And and I don't know the the side they showed of him. I guess made it more interesting, but still, uh, he just it, it seemed like why he seemed kind of useless. But uh, um, you know, and it opens up a lot of doors, and and it puts the uh, the whole one of the things they did was put the whole uh, spore drive you know uh, into question how are they going to be able to use that again if uh, if what's his name is retiring from that right and, so. and if the person is only useful for a little while like I think what it's been maybe a month or two and yeah. then he's it's it's had such obviously, We've never heard of the spore drive in the future of Starfleet, so I'm going to say they retire it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this episode was really good, and my prediction is that they're in the mirror universe, not just like in another quadrant that is going to take them five years to get back, because I think we're going to finish this war. I don't think they're going to sideline them for the war. Mm. Just you think the only use of the spore drive was to get them... Uh, into the position that they're in now, and then uh, as far as a device in the script? I think it was to give them an advantage and to show uh, the morality or the grayness of morality uh, for Starfleet, what they're willing to do, they're willing to do to their own officers and stuff in order to get a victory. And we've never... uh, The way they always portray Starfleet is how they're super squeaky clean. And this was very much like, no... They're willing to sacrifice whatever for a victory. And I think that was the point of showing the spore drive until it become it became a, what you would call a zero-sum game where it's not worth it. Um, you basically are going through your officers too quickly. And it's and if you know that getting the, the running the spore drives is basically a death sentence, 
Like you can't really order anybody to do it. So yeah, but think, yeah, they gotta they gotta come back, right? So if, if they're in a parallel universe or a mirror universe, I mean, someone's got to get them back to true. the regular space. So someone's either gonna have to make a sacrifice or something. I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen with Stamets to try to get them back home. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It looked like he was in a coma or something, so we don't even know how how good he is. But anyway, I think this was a good episode, good uh, fall hiatus episode. And I think we have four or five when we get back in January. All right. uh, So thumbs up for me. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk The Walking Dead. And this episode, I was going to say it was called Monster, but that was the one before. Uh, Remember what this one's called? This one's called uh, Carol Gets to Be Super Awesome and Ezekiel Gets to Cry a Lot. Uh, But it was very much a look at Ezekiel, him pretending to be king versus being king and what does it mean and what people need to... Like, what what kind of personality they need to follow and how, how a leader actually affects these people like they the people at the kingdom not only do they buy into him being the king they really believe it like when when all those guns go off half of his soldiers dove on top of him like without even thinking about it because they really believe he's their king and uh that guilt it was the whole episode was really about the guilt eating up on him and, you know, what that was about. Uh, Greg, your thoughts. Oh, um, well, I, th- I think we kind of discussed this. I didn't really like, um, I guess as far as the episode goes, I started to get a little impatient because the previous episode left us off with a whole bunch of uh, Ezekiel's people getting killed. And then when the episode starts off, I, w- I kind of want to find out what happens. Right. And then they start doing all these flashbacks, like one flashback over an- another flashback, just to show us that, Oh, these people are real people. The people who are following Ezekiel. Yeah, the, the five minute bam. flashback was not going to convince us to like any of these people that we knew were already dead. True. Yeah. And so, you know, it just kind of, I, I started getting impatient. I'm like sitting there, like, I almost wanted to like just fast forward through like all the flashbacks just so I get this like, okay, well, tell me what happened. Um, <laughs> what happened was really bad. Everybody's dead. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I knew what they were going to do. Like, I was like, they're going to do a crash cut. From him hanging with all his people to all his people dead. I was like, all right, that cut's happening. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then they finally did. I was like, thank you. Um, I happen to say the best thing for me in the episode was the the guy, or I guess the savior, that, that took Ezekiel hostage. You mean and was the crappy serial killer with the crazy glasses? Yeah. The Jeffrey yeah. Dahmer wannabe? Yeah, and then he, <laughs> and then he just gets, like, just filleted in half by, you know, by uh, uh, Jerry. That was just... I know well, it was his kinda, death was epic. I will it was kind of gruesome, but I... Yeah, his I death was, was absolutely epic. epic, but I was like, where... I was like, where did Negan find this guy? And why does he look like he's out of an 80s serial killer movie? <laughs> like, it was just so bizarre. Not just the way he was dressed, but just like everything about him just screamed, I, I axe murder people in my spare time. Um, 
Well, you know, everyone's got the, you know, all the crazy leaders have like the smart people at their side. You know, you remember the governor um, right. had the guy with yeah, the glasses. Yeah, the point was, was uh, playing uh, music to the zombies to see right. like what the responses were. Yeah, but uh, I think Ezekiel was right. Is that Negan had no idea who this dude was? He was like, "Does Negan even know your name?" And the answer to that was no. Negan has no idea who this guy is, and he was trying to get Negan's attention by capturing Ezekiel. Um, so it's not even that because he's way out at an outpost. He's not at the main base. See, Negan doesn't know who this dude is. He's just a weird, creepy guy. Well, he's dead, so it's well, okay. Well, yes, this is true, and and he died very epically, and and I was, I mean, I knew he was gonna die, but I just some of the stuff, and I didn't. My thing was okay. I was like, I, either Jerry or Shiva is gonna kill this dude. Like, I wasn't sure which, but I knew uh, one of them was gonna kill this guy, and oh, it was just so. As you talk about impatience, I was impatient because this dude was such a douchebag. Um, I was just like, come on, somebody kill him. Come on. And then, of course, once he puts the sword at Ezekiel's neck, you know, it's like, okay, it's now. And then it's just a matter of who does it. Um, and the answer to that question is Jerry with the axe in the art yard. So that was all good. And the end, oh my God, just Shiva. <laughs> I mean, did you cry over the CGI tiger or not? Uh, no. Oh, you are heartless. You have no heart. I was, uh, I was, I don't know if I cried actual tears, but I felt like I wanted to cry. Like, it was very sad. Especially because Ezekiel at that point had been stripped of everything. And to actually strip him of the last thing that he had, which was Shiva, was just, it just felt like too much. Like well, I thought it was, I thought it was more touching when you know, I mean, he left the kingdom with all those people, and then he comes back like almost completely by himself. Right. So just to see him walk in and have to address his people. Well, he didn't address his people. Well, he did not really address them, but I mean, he had to, you know, I don't know, just you know, he's there. He took those folks. You know, With husbands this huge out to war. speech about how yeah. everybody was going to come back home. Yeah, and, and he came back by himself. Yeah, so he came back a defeated leader. Oh, which, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's kind of why I think he wanted to die. Like every, he kept saying, "Leave me, leave me." He kept trying to get them to leave him behind because he didn't want to face that. He didn't want to face the people. Yeah, um, and what in your comment that we talked about now, uh, Rick's plan has some holes in it because it has a huge gaping hole in it. Because they, they took some big losses. Yeah, and Rick doesn't even know it yet. So that's not good. Um, and then, of course, the awesomeness of Carol. Death from above. She, she, killed, a lot of sa- she killed a lot of saviors in this episode. Uh, and she had that moment where she had to choose between getting the guns and saving Ezekiel and Jerry. And I was like, can we do both? All she had to do was shoot the tires out of the truck before she went and saved Ezekiel and, uh, uh, well, uh, actually she couldn't. Because if she had fired the tires out, then those guys would have been fighting her and she wouldn't have been able to save them. And by letting them escape, then she doesn't have to fight them and she could save Ezekiel and Jerry. All right, never mind. So it really was a choice. And she chose to save the people in front of her 
versus stopping those guns. But then you get the awesome chase scene where Rick and Daryl get to get the guns. So, all right. Overall, I thought it was a good episode. I mean, emotionally impactful. It was more so than any of the other ones. So well, I, I don't know. You don't think I don't so? know. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. I just, uh, just thinking that if it wasn't Ezekiel and Jerry, if it was just two normal people that were trapped on the other side of the gate, I think she, she would have just sacrificed them. I mean, oh, absolutely. She, she doesn't absolutely. have any problems like burning people's corpses when they, when they come to <laughs> illness. And, uh, and to be so. honest, if it had just been Jerry, she still might've just sacrificed him. It was, it was because it was Ezekiel. I think that she, uh, made that choice. Yeah. So, but. Uh, we'll go into Carol's morality later. All right, next up, we're going to talk about uh, Lucifer. Um, I just want to talk about this one really quickly because Lucifer is fun, but it's not super deep. And this episode was pretty much that. Not that super deep. Oh, well, actually, this was one of the better episodes because uh, Lucifer talks about it was an interesting episode because it was like a flashback through the entire arc of the show all the way back to season one where we meet the husband of Lucifer's uh, therapist and to show that the more he found out about Lucifer, the more unbalanced he became and it all led to um, him doing something pretty evil Uh and then it gets revealed that everything we've been watching is actually his personal hell. So I thought that was actually pretty good. It's probably one of the better episodes of Lucifer they've had. What'd you think? Um, well, first of all, I like just seeing John Billingsley again. Um, um, oh, that's I right. love He's that. the creepy serial killer in this one. Yeah, he he plays creepy characters, but <laughs> um, but I had just hadn't seen him in a while, and it was just refreshing to see him. Um, but I didn't get the indication that the entire episode was um, the guy's living hell. Oh, it oh, and by the way, was I, because it resets at the very oh, end. It resets back and, to the first shot. Oh, that was the first shot. I thought I thought that was just him waking up in the hospital after. Or, or the dialogue or, is is identical. Or, if you go back uh, and you watch the opening where he wakes up and they're like, "You just had a brush with death," and he was like, "Oh, I have a second chance." Is my wife here? And it's like, "No, she's not here." And he's like, second chance." And then that's when he gets up, takes the flowers to his wife, finds out she's sleeping with Lucifer. And then uh, at the very end, he wakes up in bed and it's the same nurse, and she's like, "You just had a brush with death," and he's like, "Oh, is my wife here? It's a second chance. It's the same dialogue." Oh wow! Okay, that that must have been cut off on my DVR or something. I must have, I must have missed that. Yeah, and um, then they zoom but, out to show you that he's in hell. Uh, um. So, anyway, but also uh, was you know it kind of threw me off a little bit because I'm like, um, shouldn't you be on Better Call Saul right now? I'm just kind of. <laughs> you know, well, the show but, only shoots thirteen episodes, so. Yeah, but no, I thought it was a good app. Yeah, it was, it was actually probably one of their better episodes. As much as I talk about how Lucifer's pretty light, this one was actually pretty dark and pretty good, and it really didn't focus on Lucifer. It focused on this other guy, and I thought that was pretty good. All right, so thumbs up from me on that one. It, if you don't watch a lot of Lucifer, you should definitely check this particular episode out. All right, let's move on, and let's talk about The Gifted. 
And uh, let's start off with Peter. Uh, you've been having like a gifted marathon. So what did you think of this new, the newest one? I think that, I mean, critically, I think it was the weakest of the, I think it's been seven episodes. Right. Um, and I think a big part of it was because, well, one, I just, you know, anytime you have a character that we're trying to get to know and then they have to do the favor because they owe this gangster person something and you, I don't know, those episodes always to me feel like kind of a groaner because I don't really, one, I don't really care about this this person that he has history with and I didn't find the actress very compelling. Oh, she was terrible. Um, well, she was terrible. I just she was like, was terrible. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> However, I mean, I on the bright side, um, I liked. I have to say that while I'm not, while I don't necessarily um, side with Sentinel Services, no, I don't at all. I don't side with Sentinel Services. They've done a pretty good job of, um, like, showing how the scientist obviously has a very kind of nefarious agenda, and I thought they did a pretty good job of like how we're seeing that Kobe's kind of in the middle of this because while he has a lot of emotions uh, regarding mutants and right. their rights, he is still, you know, kind of a person who's trying to do the right thing. And so when the woman comes in and she's like, well, you can't, can't do this. This is terrible. You know, like, and then you see that they use the scientists use one of his mutants like experiment. So pretty much, well, wait, did she die? Or she yeah. Just yeah. Up? I'm pretty sure he, they gave her a brain aneurysm. No. Um, I think that's pretty good. Um, sometimes I wonder if they could have gone down a different route. Like a different route could have been like maybe this scientist has been um, really taking care of these mutants and he kind of like shows compassion and he makes the mutants want to work for Sentinel Services. He could have done that, you know, but they didn't. They, they've gone <laughs> this route, you know, which makes them monsters or whatever. But but I, but I feel the, the Kobe thing, his character, you see how – He's torn in the middle. So I thought that was one of the better aspects of the episode. Um, I was frustrated that it looked like Lauren, um, who through most of the show has, even though she's the, you know, typical blonde teenager girl, she's actually not been very angsty. And this was the only one where I was like, ugh, they bring up. <laughs> but, but, but I will say she rebounds back pretty quickly because they, you know, Stephen Moyer's like, well, here's the situation. And she confronts him. And I was like, well, all right. And I, I thought that was handled well. So so I guess overall, yeah, it's probably the weakest episode so far. But it was still very watchable. Um, it's just, yeah, it's one it's, of those things. Where the, 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 A, the A story is the weakest part, I guess. I was going to say, uh, all the other subplots were pretty decent. I didn't mind them. But the story with the gangster stuff uh, and the, his girlfriend following him around like a weird stalker. All that was just blah. I didn't. Oh, I forgot that. about that. Yeah, that was it. But I, but but I'm glad they resolved it by the end. That they it, did. It was well, like oh my. Somewhat. God. Yeah, yeah. She confronts him. Yeah. Right. I was I was afraid this is going to be like three episodes before she reveals. So I was like, all right, good. They dealt with it. But right. Um, uh, uh, David, I, your thoughts. Um, yeah, as I was, as I was saying uh, to Peter earlier, just I think it's, it's a overall. You know, the show is watchable. But it's not, you know, I don't think the the performances are stellar. I think it's an interesting, you know, glimpse into that whole world. And, you know, I'll watch it 
just to see what happens, but it's not uh, must-see TV for me or anything. Well, um, one of the people from the inside said episode nine's the one that will change it into must-see TV. Ah, so, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I kind of believe him. I'll, I'll, I'll see. Um, I'm, I'm excited. He's got me excited about that episode. But yeah, I, I asked that question too. I was like. When does it become from eh, I'll watch it to I have to watch it? Right. I think I think they've got a nice cast of characters. Um, the the characters have to be a little more fleshed out, a little more real and believable to me. The right. the personalities. Um, but uh, but I'll keep watching to see what they do with them. All right, that's a good bet. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the Good Doctor. And we'll start off with David this time on The Good Doctor. This episode was about, uh, he has a, a patient who has, uh, oh, good Lord. Uh, autism. Okay. Thank you. I was like, it begins with an A. <laughs> uh, autism. Uh, and he has, as they show in the spectrum, there's very various levels of autism. And this kid has a higher level than he did, or maybe he's basically managed to manage his better. You're not quite sure. So what did you think? Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I like the show overall. I like that it brings up this, this um, issue or it, it, it shows this part of the, this culture or subculture or whatever you want to call it. I'm sorry, that the, you know, the fact that he's uh, on the spectrum um, being a major part of the show, um, it was a, at first distracting to me, I think a little bit, but now I'm kind of used to it. So it's just a part of that character. And, uh, and I like that it's in there. I like that, that, uh, you know, you, you see a little bit from his perspective. And this was interesting because he was looking at himself. It was a sort of a mirror. He was looking at himself and he was a little uncomfortable with it, which was uh, interesting to see. Right. To, he didn't know to, how to talk to the kid. Yeah. yeah, he was he was trying to figure out how to deal with someone who was similar to him, um, and uh, you know he he conquers that or fig- figures that out eventually, and and uh, as as all good protagonists do, and uh, you know I, I enjoyed it. I think that um, they had well with the parents who were a little uh, resistant to him, thinking that he could be a good doctor. Um, when it's obviously, he obviously can't because it's the name of the show, but, uh, they, they were suspecting him of not being able to, to handle the case. Um, because of the pressure and everything. Because, yeah, because of his condition, when ultimately they found out or they, at the end of the show, they revealed he did and they said, oh, that's great. You know, they, they kind of thanked him, but they still didn't kind of address the idea that, that. On the spectrum, there can be people who have different levels of different abilities, and you know Sean's abilities might be more suited to you know medicine than their sons. Um, right. They were basically treating him like they treat his son. They lumped son. them all together right. in you know uh, autism, and and that was unfortunate. They didn't kind of spend a little more time uh, extricating well, you know one. One thing that they did do is at the end. Um, when he talked about the fact that uh, they love their son, which is actually what caused his disease, uh, but he congratulated them for loving their son and everything. 
And, they, and, and I think it made them realize that they could give their son a little more independence. Watching Sean mm. made them realize that they were bait, well, coddling their son a little more than they necessarily needed to. And so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, but you're right they, that they didn't really go into the how the spectrum works. Right. And I think that parents with a kid with autism would understand how the spectrum works. So it was really yeah, odd think, that they did you would think that. Um, but one thing I do like about the show and it was uh, uh, ex- extended in this episode was the relationship between Sean and his, his mentor, the, the uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Richard, Richard Schiff's Schiff. character. Yeah. Um, I, I like that uh, watching TV scene uh, in the uh, oh, right. electronic store. Yeah, that was kind of <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, their relationship is great. There's, it was one of the best things on the show. And they actually dealt with the, the guy that... I normally think it's pretty heartless. Uh, they gave him a little heart. Uh, yeah, they're giving him an arc of moving towards having more of a of a positive personality, more of a being more of a hero than a villain or whatever. Right. I thought that was good. All mm-hmm. right. So thumbs up overall. Yeah. Um, next up, we're going to talk about This Is Us. And this episode, they're going to do three episodes, one for each one of the siblings. And so this episode was Kevin's episode where we got to see all his flashbacks uh, from being born, from his first walks, from, you know, from him walking and being the star football player and a jerk star football player at that (laughs) uh, to where he is now. And you just see the whole expanse of his life. Um, What did you think, David, since you're our Mike? I think uh, I mean this was this was called number one. He was the firstborn, I guess, of the of the three, and uh, it got, gave a, gave us a lot more insight into his character and his development, which which the show does as a matter of course. It regularly reveals a little more each time because it's doing these flashbacks, and uh, I thought it was really interesting to see the you know the relationship he has with his with his parents or he had with his parents in the past and his and his siblings. And it gives you more insight into how he got to where he is, and where he is today is really screwed up. I mean, he's yeah. he's got uh, severe issues, and you see also the parallel between him and his father, uh, and you see in the past where he looked down on his father for that, uh, for the uh, the AA, the alcoholism, and and so forth, and now he's doing the same thing, and I'm sure there's got to be a lot of turmoil, inner turmoil. You know, churning him to uh, uh, to stay, you know, to stay locked in that thing without being able to escape, which which you know seems real to me. Um, and uh, uh, you know, I, I wonder how far they're going to let him fall before he gets rescued or well, the brings thing himself is he's up. He's gotten to the place where he realizes he actually needs help. And, yeah, and that's important. Yeah, definitely. So the only problem, of course, is right when he realizes he needs help and goes to his brother for help, it right. coincides with his sister needing more help than him. And yeah, so once once again, he's uh, demanding more attention than he should be or whatever. Well, he's not getting the attention he actually needs, yeah. which has been his life. So, um all right. Yeah, uh, from his perspective, I think that's true. From the other, from the other siblings' perspective, that may not be true. But true. Yeah, 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 but I mean, he's not wrong. His parents did give the other siblings more attention than him. Um, uh, Peter, your thoughts? 
Um, I thought it was okay. Um, kind of funny, like this and gifted. I, I mean, I applaud. I'm I'm glad that they're trying something different because the show is is very structured in a certain way. So I was like, oh, I was like, this is kind of an interesting way to tweak the formula where we still do flashbacks, but we're only focused on Kevin, and, you know, and then we're going to have, I guess, Kate next and then Randall. Um, but, you know, it's really weird to me how in the first season, Kate was to me my least favorite character, even though, I mean, I still liked Kate, but her story arcs were always kind of the least interesting to me. And I always, I like the actor who plays Kevin. Like he's, he's charming. So even though teenage Kevin is really annoying, especially how horrible he was to Randall, I feel like that there's a, there's a good chemistry that the, the actor Kevin has with, um, God, I can't believe it. Who's playing Randall? It's a big actor. Uh, Sterling uh, K. Brown. Yeah. Like, I think they have, like, I really am interested in their bond, you know? And so the way the first, the first season finale ended, like, I thought it was really good, but man, doing the drug thing is just so... I just don't need to see that. I'm not saying you can't have good stories about people with addiction. Of course you can. But, like, this really feels very soap opery. Also because I feel like it's going to be that he gets help and then a couple seasons from now we're, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember that time Kevin was on drugs, on painkillers. Like, it's just going to be one of those things. So while I applaud, I'm very much interested in the next two episodes. It did feel a little like, oh, we just got to get through this one. Um, but, again – there's still some good moments and stuff. I still really like the show, of course. But well, I actually was with you because uh, I was not looking for very anti-drug plot. Yeah, I know. I was absolutely with you, and I was actually complaining about it uh, last week and everything. But I have to say, the the twist that they did to the story that made it kind of interesting for me was having him as the jerk teenager just totally looking down at his dad and thinking of his dad as such a weak person. And for him to basically end up in the same place as his dad. You know what? I think that's interesting. You know what? I did not think of that. That's a good point. Because you're right, because the teenage one is like, oh, can you you please move his 12 steps thing from the kitchen table or something like that? Yeah, Yeah. you're right. He was so... Right, Olivia, I didn't didn't think of that. Um, Okay, yes. Half, half point higher for that. So <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good point. So, all right. Uh, I don't, Greg, did you watch it or not? I'm not sure. Yeah, I sure did. Um, and my one takeaway from the show was that uh, as I'm watching it and, and I'm seeing what's happening in present day, and then I just saw they did like a little, just a quick flash where you saw like his mom and sister like in the stands, like all the way off in the distance. And when it flashed back, I'm just looking and I'm like, oh my gosh, did they actually do this? I mean, did they get all of those extras together and put them in a in you know a football field and have all of that just to do that flashback? And for me as a viewer, it felt to me like, wow, you really you know went all out to make this a really good watching experience. And I felt good as a viewer for all of the effort that they're putting into the show. Yeah. I, I agree, and yes, that's what they did. Um, but yeah, they they're they're going all out. They're making this show have texture, and there's all these little elements that they could have taken something that was super boring, and 
everybody turned off, but they, they're giving it nuances that I didn't anticipate. So as much as I thought this episode was going to suck, I'm actually giving it a thumbs up. I, I think that uh, it's always a, a challenge in these kind of dramas, these family dramas, to make it you know novel instead of the same old you know uh, same old uh, tropes or whatever. Right. Uh, like I don't know. I I got kind of tired of brothers and sisters being the same same cyclical episodic type you know situation where they would all uh, you know get angry with each other because they didn't talk about it and then they all would get back to dinner and have yeah yeah i I, I was uh, for those guys yeah but this but this show no matter how much they do that uh you know how many things i can predict i still you know it's it's a very emotional it's very touching show so i'll still watch it yeah it's great yeah thumbs up all right next up we're going to talk about the flash really quickly uh mainly because uh this was not one of the better episodes of the flash um, the little shtick they did with the Harrison Wells was terrible. Like, who came up with the idea of... I wonder the, if it was the actor. <laughs> I, I, it's so bad. It was like, why? Why would you do an episode centered around all these different versions of Harrison Wells who are not interesting? Because, I mean, the one... They did it before, like last season, they had all the different Wells... And those guys were at least kind of amusing. This version was just like the dregs. I was like, are these just the last ones that are left alive that nobody cares about? Cyborg? Like, it was almost... It, it was like a cartoon. It was terrible. Yeah. yeah it was no, he said they were supposed to be the smartest ones. Oh, <laughs> my God. It was so bad. Um, I really despise that, ter- that storyline. Oh, but what about the uh, the rubber man guy? The uh, oh. uh, what's his name? Uh, them slowly or? turning him into a hero. I yeah. feel like the lesson: Hey, you should save the civilian instead <laughs> of catching the criminal. Is not that hard of a lesson, and I don't know why it took him so long to learn it. And a little girl had to almost die before he went. Oh, yeah, that's why I should save the civilian. I'm like, no. Well, be- because he, he doesn't cop. care about he doesn't no. care about people though he's he's very self centered so learning that you know not just to be the hero who who catches the the cook he has to actually think about the feelings of the people who are involved and save the I the... get what you're saying but even as a cop he should his uh, the idea of saving a little girl's life should not be that shocking for him I don't think he was a very good cop but okay. <laughs> Oh my God! It's just, and I'm like, if that's the lesson you got to teach him, you've already got other problems. So I just was not impressed by this episode overall. Mm. I like that they introduced that new character and are bringing him into the fold. So what new? Oh the, oh yeah, the stretchy guy. He's yeah. funny. He is a yeah. funny character. I, he is great comic relief, but he's not a good person. Right. Not yet. Yeah. So the. Eh. Anybody else have any thoughts on the Flash before we move on? Because mine is very well, blah. Well that, was the, well, that was the whole point. I mean, you know, his history is that he was a cop. He really thought that he was a good cop because he didn't care about anything except catching the bad guy and whether or not, you know, and whatever that took is what he wanted to do. And so, exactly, yeah. and, and so he has to make that journey to the superhero and the, the altruism that is – uh, being a superhero in in that universe, I think that there are other 
there's a definite character flaw that I don't know if training is really what's going to address that. That just doesn't, that feels false to me. It's, if it's he's more that just hanging much of out a with... narcissist, if he's that much of a narcissist, getting him to actually care about people doesn't seem like something that's a teachable moment. No, it's more just by association, I think, with the other guys. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, I wants... wasn't impressed by this one. <laughs> yeah, he wants to do the right thing, and so he's got to learn how to do the right thing in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If you guys buy it, that's great. I just... <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> because, yeah, I'll say negative things and I don't want to say them too badly. All right, uh, next up, we're going to talk about Future Man, which is a new show on Hulu. I had to think about this for a second. Because I totally went to Amazon to watch it and it wasn't there. And I was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, it's on Hulu. Oh, my God. They spent $5 on this show. <laughs> it's... It looks like the cheapest sci-fi television show you... Well, maybe Winona Earp. Maybe. But Winona Earp is in the West, and this show is current day with super tech technology. Oh my god, it looks so bad. Wait, did you only watch the first episode? I did only watch this first episode. Wait, I doesn't, watch... the first, doesn't the first episode go back in time? Because it's also kind of a period piece. Yes, it goes back okay. to the 80s. Okay. That is correct. Right. I was just about to say, I was like, well, I mean, it's they do have period stuff. I'm like, it's not. I'm not saying they do it yeah, well. Yeah, but even the period stuff, they have the super tech technology because the soldiers are yeah, from the future. That's true. That's true. Um, well, I've seen, four, I've seen four episodes. And it is, is it better than terrible now? It's, it's better than terrible. I mean, it's the show that I – it's so funny. I am a huge proponent of people seeing movies on the big screen – and if you are watching a really good TV show, this that's why you watch it on your big television at home. It is it is it is unfortunately the reason that I have not caught up on Star Trek Discovery because I don't want to watch that on my you know on my lunch break at, at work on my computer at work or whatever. Uh, I am not a big fan. I don't like the idea of people watching things on their phone. You know what? I watch Future Man on my phone. Like I, <laughs> it, it's on my bus ride to work, and I was like, eh, let's put this on. Who cares? Like like so. I mean, as a diversion on my way to work, like, fine, I guess. I, It's one of those shows where I'm going to finish it probably because it is in my wheelhouse. But Libya's going to be mad at me because there are obviously better things. But it's more that it's just like, well, yeah, it's just because it kills my time. Um, uh, I mean, the positives, I, I, I do like um, – I think Josh Hut- Hutcherson or whatever is fine. The guy from The Hunger Games is the lead. I think that – uh, the woman from Happy Endings, the woman that you said you were interested, the blonde. Um, she's the I, what is her name, Tiger? Yeah, she's like the soldier from the yeah. future. She's good and stuff. It's just it's a weird show where so many people talk about how Star Trek or not Star Trek, how the Orville is just a straight up ripoff of Next Generation with Seth MacFarlane's humor. This show is to me worse because. It just feels like a grab bag of like, oh, the font is like Terminator. And then some of the plot stuff is like Back to the Future. And then this stuff is like Halo. And it just, but it, none of it really works. None of it like is very organic. Um, yeah, it's a pretty, it's pretty sea level. I, I, yeah, I don't think it's terrible. I'm not like mad when I'm watching it. I'm on like, oh, this show makes me angry. But I'm like, yeah, I mean, it is exactly 
yeah, mid mid budget. Well, no, the pr- the like, premise is the last Starfighter. That is the premise of the show. And they, to be fair, they they also say that. Remember, the guy's like, "That's in the last Starfighter." The character says that well, too. Because when, when they break down the mission, he went, he pauses and goes, "That's the plot of the last Starfighter." It's like is somebody putting you up as a joke, and they're like, "Nope, this is really the plot of the show." <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of, one of my big issues I had was that there's the character's a video game player, and I'm a you know I'm a big gamer, and like one of the first scenes he goes to I want to say it's called um, One Up, and One Up is a indie video game store on Western. If, if you live in Los Angeles, it's it's terrific. It's a little tiny like video game store. Um, so I'm glad that they shot it there. Hopefully they got they got paid something. Although on this budget, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> but the characters like talking about how he's like, oh, I only like to play a video game no one's won before. Why would I want to play a game someone's won before? And I'm like, I have never heard any person who plays video game ever say that. <laughs> like it, which is weird because it's co-directed by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, who I think do play video games. I think they know about that stuff. So I don't like they know about geek culture, but it. It's just so weird. It's a weird. I'm like, what? No one would talk about that. Like, and he's complaining about Mario, and it's like Mario's ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, no one. What? These these conversations don't exist in the game. It's so weird to me. Well, and I think that, but I think part of it is they're trying to show why he's he's an outsider. He's an outsider amongst gamers because all the gamers think he's weird. That's I, I think true. That's kind of the point. Um, I, yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, okay. You're probably right. I just. Eh. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I mean, the lead guy is okay, but the tone of the show is all over the place. Like, yeah, they're swearing that, like sailors. He's jerking off on people's shirts, and I can't figure out what is this show. Where does it fit? Like, the tone. I can't, I, yeah, I can't tell oh, the is tone. The, is the guy they're trying to kill, is that Keith David? Keith David's in it. Um, I don't remember why. Oh, oh, he's the guy with the herpes. Yeah, yeah he's the guy. Because yeah. they yeah, figure if he if he never gets well, the main original story that I saw in the pilot was let's keep let's keep him from getting herpes so he doesn't try to develop the cure for herpes, which apparently destroys the world. Uh, so I I don't know if they were trying to kill him originally. I think the idea was to keep him from getting herpes originally. And then if that didn't work, I guess by episode four right. where and you're this, on, they're like, let's just kill him. No, they've sort of moved past. The second episode, they're trying to kill him. And then like the third and the fourth, it kind of expands into like something else. But um, yeah, eh, like, yeah. I don't know. This is it's a weird pretty thing. lame. It's a pretty it's lame a weird, show. It's a weird thing, though, that like, you know, we live in an age of like so much content. And I think what I'm starting to, maybe not just starting to think of, but I'm I'm realizing is that like, you know, they're, it's kind of like, I guess this is the opposite end of, tell, someone tells you, oh, you know, Schindler's List is a really great film. It is a great film. Um, but you don't want to watch it all the time. It's just like, well, no, I mean, it's very heavy, you know, and everything. On the flip end, you can have shows that are kind of mediocre, but for some reason you watch them. And for me, it's because it's my bus ride. So I'm. it's probably a C-level show. I can't really recommend it. But on the other end, if these are the kind of things you're interested in, like I am, and you watch it, and you're not going to hate it. It's just going to be like, I, I don't know, dude. I kind of hate it. So I don't, well, again, I'm not, I'm not offended by it. Like, I'm not like, it's just so, like you said, I think you hit on the nail. I think the tone is all over the place. 
I think that's the biggest thing. Is it just it doesn't know what it wants to be. It's just a grab bag of things. Um, but anyways, nah. Yeah. All, right. All right, let's move on. Uh, so not recommending Future Man, I think, is what we landed on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk Brooklyn Nine-Nine really quickly. we get two minutes. Uh, so Brooklyn Nine-Nine this week was... But yeah, remind me, I've watched like three in a row this weekend. Which was this one? It wasn't the poker that was last week. It was whatever was after the poker. Poker. Oh, was it the venue? Yes, thank you. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, the venue was yeah, with Vul- the, the vulture. <laughs> the vulture who was like, my nickname is the eagle. Like, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, pretty good idea. Like they have the perfect venue, and then of course the vulture, who's you know one of their their nemesis of, of of the show, comes in. Apparently, he's falling in love and getting to marry. And of course, it's not. Uh, he, yeah, he just wants her money. Right, Amy and uh, which one we call it? Um, oh my God, what's Sandberg's Peralta? Yeah. Of course, don't you know? Believe it. Um, no, that was yeah, pretty good. Like I thought that was funny. Um, and I also stretched their morality. Like where was their line? You know, he bribed them with them being able to get their venue if they just let him marry this woman for her money, and they were like, oh. uh. <laughs> Um, and then I like that he kept the venue and threw this crazy party and they ended up using it as their after party. I thought that right. was fantastic. <laughs> well, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so yes, in typical sitcom fashion, the characters really don't get what they want, but they learn to you know live with it or whatever. Um, but yeah, this whole season's been, you know, solid and strong. Oh, yeah, was this it, the one where they were all in the chairs? Was that last week? Where they were having the marathon of who could stay in the chairs the longest. Um, I think that was last week, though. Yeah, I think that was last week. Um, what was this week's thing with the other characters? Ah, uh, this is a problem with binging. Um, I don't remember. There's, there's always there's always two stories. Uh, what was the other one? I don't. I, I really don't remember. So it must not have been that amazing. But I'm still going to say thumbs up, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's still one of my favorite comedies. And it's gotten yeah. better, which is really rare. So, uh, thumbs up I, for me. I think you feel about Brooklyn Nine-Nine the way I felt about Community. Oh, Community's great. Yeah. I love Community. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I Did actually th- didn't think the last season was better. I thought the last season was the worst. But... Well, I never saw – you saw the Yahoo season? Yeah. Oh, was it bad? I didn't, oh, yeah, it was pretty I, bad. Um. But the first, I mean, how long is Community? Five or six seasons? Something like that. Yeah, six seasons and a movie. They haven't done the movie yet. (laughs) Um, Uh, The first four are all pretty good. I'm not disagreeing. I love Community. All right, but we got to move on. My only my point was I didn't like Brooklyn Nine Nine, but I guess I didn't make that parallel too well. Oh. Yes, I totally missed it. You should watch it now. I think I didn't really like it that much season one, but I love it now. So okay, I'll check it out. It a, give it a shot. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the blacklist, and this was their uh, winter hiatus, as they like to call stuff now. And their big advertisement was a main character will die, whose name is not Red. Um. <laughs> And so you knew Red wasn't going to die, and I was 99% sure that uh, Liz wasn't going to die. And then the moment that, um, oh, what's his name? 
boyfriend. Tom? Tom. The moment that Tom found was... out the DNA information and his face changed and he's like, oh my god! I was like, and you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was dead the moment he read that information. And then he calls Liz and he's like, I've got this super important information. I can't tell you over the phone. I was like, you're <laughs> double dead. You should always tell somebody over the phone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so then they give you that scene where they're both really hurt. And you don't know which one of them is going to die. And I was like, it's not Liz. <laughs> I thought it was uh, was okay. I thought, um, you know, it was, um, del- you know, delving. They still opening up more things about the relationship between uh, Reddington and uh and uh, what's her name? Liz, thank you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's still more questions, more mysteries to be, an- you know, questions to be answered. And, uh, you so know. what do you uh, think the bones are? Whose bones are they? Yeah. I don't know. Um, to cause that know- bigger reaction from Tom. When he know all he was the- looking at was the DNA results. Do we know anything about the mother? Uh, she's dead. We know that. Much. Could be her. I don't know. I think that's what they're trying to make us believe that it's the mom and um but I think the story that Red told Liz about how the mom died doesn't work with her bones being in a suitcase. Um mm. I, but I I think it's more well, than who, that. Who Just else would we know about? I, I don't know, but his reaction was that of surprise and sort right. of shock. And then, holy crap, I got to tell somebody. Um, and Red, the fact that Red is willing to kill a lot of people to keep that secret. So, I feel like yeah, I it's going to be, I don't know what it's going to be. I but just I, don't know any other characters that are significant enough that it would cause that kind of reaction. But Right. And I one thing I don't like about the Blacklist is they're like, we have a secret and we're going to take five seasons to yes. tell you. <laughs> Uh, well, it's, it's not irritating. it's not quite lost uh, epic, you know. Uh, it's not on a lost timeline, but it's uh, but it's slow. Yes. All right, Greg, did you see this or not? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a great episode. Uh, it was action packed. Uh, there was a lot of suspense, um, uh, especially you know when Tom is captured and they're like feeding bodies into a wood oh, chipper. Oh, yeah, that's pretty bad. That was pretty that gross. Was like, yeah, it was like. <laughs> I was like, why are they flashing up parental discretion? Oh, oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but, you know, at some point in the episode, though, I started to get a little I started to get angry at Tom because he just like, you know, he has these conversations with Red and Red is trying to get him to just drop it. And he's like and even Red is talking to him saying, you know what? Um, I didn't want you to be with Elizabeth. Um, but you know, once I saw her face at your wedding, then I realized that I'm not going to be able to compete with that. And so, you know, it was basically red's way of saying, okay, I'm not going to try to kill you if you, um, you know, for the sake of, you know, Liz's happiness, um, if you just drop this and Tom wouldn't drop it. And so, you know, everything that happened in this episode is all Tom's fault and, I just felt like he could have just, he knows that. And it would be different if he had talked to Liz about it and said, look, there's this information I think you should know. Is it worth risking my life for? Right. But he's lying to her, too. Yeah, how many times can can he keep lying to her? Can he keep, 
you know, they're, they finally got married. So, you know, when is he going to actually be honest or is it, you know, it was just never meant to be, I guess that they were a happy couple. I mean, they thought they were, but his whole thing is I'm doing this to protect Liz, but at a certain point you have to trust her. Yeah. And he never got to that point. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm not sad to see Tom go. Good riddance. Yep. Well, you, you've said that before. <laughs> yeah, he's my least favorite character of the show, so yeah. I'm actually doing a little happy jig. That he but I was a little shocked because the spinoff show didn't work. Right. And so since the spinoff show didn't work and he's like back on Blacklist, I was like, I didn't expect him to die. I was like, oh, wow, that was that was kind of a shocker. I, I well, I wouldn't have expected him to die, except that they advertise someone's gonna die, and then I was like, <laughs> I guess it's Tom. Well, there's enough of those FBI agents you could lose one and not you know worry too much, but that's true. Yeah. But none of them were ever in danger, really. That's true. All right, let's let's move on. So this was a good fall finale. They killed off a main character, one that I actually wanted them to kill. So I'm happy <laughs> about that. Uh, so, uh, next up, another fall finale. We're going to talk about how to get away with murder. Uh, and I, for a show that I was so sure, I actually had this show on my list, uh, in the fall of shows that I was done with and never coming back to. And, oh my God, I love this season. (laughs) I don't know. I got sucked back in, but I did. And I really, really like this season. And it's just because I think all the other seasons, all the kids did stuff together and they all listened to Annalise and they were all working as one team and you could see what everybody was doing. And it got really repetitive and then I didn't care. But what I love about this season is she cut all the kids loose and they were all doing separate things on their own and as the season progressed they slowly started coming back together for some of them for different reasons but by the time you get to the fall the winter hiatus episode almost all the characters are all in one room all working together to the same goal for to a certain degree some of them think that everybody's doing stupid stuff but they're all at the same place Except for Annalise, who gets called in the middle of it, and then it just goes nuts. And then the scene with the baby, just I was bawling. Like, holy crap. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I was... Um, <clears throat> I think everything in the episode um, was really awesome and how they, you know, because they've been so- showing us flash flashes, you know, like they normally do. And, uh, and, and I know I keep saying this, but... Thank goodness we're not seeing like the cheerleader flipping up in the air anymore <laughs> uh, from from the first season. But you know, because yeah, because I'm wondering, okay, why why was Annalise like in the shower and she's got blood on her? There's like blood splattered in the Elevator. you know the law office, right? Uh, in, in the law office, I couldn't. I was like, there were two murders. What's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and you know, Asher's sitting there with a gun in his hand, and you know, didn't know how that happened, and so. Although, okay, the one thing that just kind of made me go, ah, was, you know, everything was working fine. Like, they had the key card, they were in the room. And they changed the plan. Yeah, and they changed the plan. And I was like, ah, I just groaned out loud. I was like, ah, really? Never changed the plan in the middle of executing the plan. Yeah, they had the key card. It's like all they had to do was put it back in the purse, you know, like go back up. Everything would have been fine. And then, you know, 
the other guy comes in and what he like trips over the leg of the chair and shoots himself in the head. Yes. Okay. The most ridiculous yeah. set of circumstances ever, but considering their luck, they suck at luck. So it was, their plan was going great. And then the guy grabs the gun, which apparently doesn't have the safety on. And he trips, falls backwards, and shoots himself in the head. That is an idiot award. Well, yeah, and then what about Asher, like, picking up the murder weapon? Why? Like, it's like, oh. Yeah, Why it's like, oh, let me go grab weapon? this and put my fingerprints all over it. Oh, oh wait, maybe I've done that. Um, and then, okay, and so, and they're, they're trying to piece this all back together, like, wiping, you know, the blood um, off, you know. And then I'm like... Uh, did anyone check to see there were cameras in the room? Because <laughs> that's so well, true. <laughs> well, actually, if there were cameras, they're fine because they didn't kill him. Well, no, but the, I mean, the cameras will show like you know them, you know. Well, oh, I'm uh, assuming oh, there are cameras that, in sound. That, It'll basically yeah. it's recording them conspiring. Well, I, I, I would assume that our tech guy, who's who's running the mission, actually would have disabled cameras if there were cameras. I feel like that's that was his job. Um, so I don't think that there were cameras right there. Uh, and if there yeah. were, it would actually benefit them because they didn't kill anyone. For the first time. This is the first time where they actually didn't kill someone. Every other season, they totally killed whoever. And I find it really funny because Asher, he, he ran over that woman with his car like three times and got away with it. And so if he goes down for this murder, I'm like, okay, it's like karma. Um, but I actually, I'm really into Annalise and Jimmy Smith's character. I really want them to get together. like a lot now like that. I'm totally shipping them. Um, and then the scene with the baby was just so terrible. Like it was just so like Annalise was just done. Like there was just so much emotion happening in that scene. Uh, that was really great. So I'd say thumbs up. This is a really, this is probably the best fall finale they've had ever. I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, uh, gets you where you want to see, uh, what happens next. So, uh, they accomplished their, their goal. All right. So thumbs up for me. Uh, next up, I want to just talk about really, really quick. Uh, damnation is a new show that's on USA and it's a period piece. It's in. It takes place in 1931 during Prohibition. During the uh, what is it? The oh, the Depression. Thank you. I was like that thing where no one had money. Um, and it happens all through that time. And what it is is uh, the banks are fixing uh, prices so that the farms are foreclosing. And then this episode, they actually have a. A suit actually explained why they're doing it, which I felt was unnecessary. But sure, for the you know the people in the back who don't understand how finances work, um, so they had like this guy just saying that the farmers were uh, no longer valuable. That machines could do what they do, and so by getting the farmers, uh, putting them all out of business, then they could automate everything, which is basically what's happening what happened already. Uh, so it's forming of unions of the farmers and union breakers and how back in the thirties union breakers straight up just killed people. It was crazy. 
And so that's pretty much the premise of Damnation, but you're seeing it from both sides. You're seeing it from the side of the people forming the unions, the stuff that they did to get their point across, plus what the union breakers are doing to break it. And if that's interesting, you should definitely watch it. It's got a really great cast. It's a beautifully shot show. Uh, it's in- interesting. Um, I've watched the first two episodes. I don't. It's not necessarily something that's normally in my wheelhouse, but you know, it's not. I mean, it's better than Future Man. <laughs> it's uh, it's a well written, well shot, well acted show. And so I'm, I'm, I'm still watching it. All right, that's all I got to say about that. Next up, we're going to talk about Stranger Things. And in our pacing, I said we we're going to do two episodes at a time, which screwed us. So we ended up behind. So then I ended up just watching all of Stranger Things. And so I finished. Peter, you're done with Stranger Things. And Greg, you finished as well, right? Correct. What do you think of the show overall? How did it end for you? Um, I, I really liked it. I'm, I thought it, I thought it ended really strong. I thought, um, wait, I forgot how spoilery are. Can we talk about the last scene? Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about the whole series. Um, I thought that the, the only real misstep is the episode that everyone's complaining about. What is it? Episode, uh, seven, seven, I think, uh, yeah. Which is when it feels almost like a backdoor pilot or something where Eleven goes to search for her sister and she's in Chicago and eh, it just doesn't. It's it weird because work. one of the things yeah. that Stranger Things does really well, unlike Future Man, Stranger Things does a really good job of like pinpointing nostalgia for a certain era and then highlighting things. So like most of Stranger Things feels a lot like 80s Stephen King or um, uh, 80s video games or Spielberg with the kids. And it's strange because that one-off episode, it feels like they're trying to do like like – uh, Walter Hill's The Warrior or something like other things from the 80s but the tone like doesn't feel right uh, although I will say the best thing they got out of that was I <laughs> I kind of do like Eleven getting her I'm I'm cool haircut uh, her hairstyle I I kind of like that um, but but the big finale which is kind of like a two-parter uh, I thought was really terrific I thought they did a pretty good job and I thought all the characters everything really fell into place um yeah, and I love, and I really liked the finale being a a, a little dance uh, with with, the, with our characters. You know, like character that I couldn't stand through most of the season. Uh, the one who's the idiot with the creature. What's the character's name? Well, the creature's Dart, and his name is something that's not Dart. Um, I did feel bad for him when he couldn't find when he got his hair done up and he couldn't find someone to dance with him. I was like, oh, I do feel bad for that kid. Like. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought it was really good. And I'm, um, I think there's, I think they're at least doing another two more seasons. So I know um, they're doing at least one more season, but probably yeah, so, two makes sense. Uh, I thought it was good. I really, my biggest complaint of the whole show would be, um, although I think it's a, it's a good nine episode stint, um, in general, I do think it feels a little too long to get, to get 11 back with the group. Like it works in the last two episodes, but I don't, that's my only thing where I'm like, cause remember bef- you also have the thing where it's like, isn't she searching for mama? There's that thing right. too. And it's, it's totally, I get why they're doing it. I just, eh, like I wished her, you know, being with the rest of the group. Oh, but I did like, 
I like the new girl Max, and I like when Max is like, "Hey, nice to meet you, finally." And of course, she's not happy, <laughs> this, you know, because because she's afraid that um, she likes Mike. I think right, which she doesn't. Yeah. Um, well, I I think I know you you didn't. Well, most people probably don't like her not being part of the group, but I really liked her relationship with Hopper. I thought that yeah, was fantastic. Yeah. Like that was pretty worth it for me to to make that bond really strong uh, i'm okay yes that's only like the first couple episodes because then she escapes because the hopper stuff you're talking about is more the first third of, of the season which I, I agree i do like that too maybe half i feel like it's a I little longer than that but i really yeah. like it's funny going back to the gifted 11 who's obviously younger than lauren 11 getting really angry and selfish and acting like a kid and Hopper trying to deal with it and the house, you know, the bringing, breaking the glass because of her powers. That was actually a really good version of being young and being angsty. Like that totally works. At least it did for me. Like I right. thought that, like I, I completely understood where Hopper was. And of course I understand why 11 feels the way she does. Like, you know, totally worked. I was like, yeah, this totally works for me. So. Child angst works. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? Oh, um, yeah, it's it's pretty much the same um, the same thoughts. I mean, I think the show overall was really good, and um, it was that whole thing with her leaving and then and then going to Chicago that was like it was like the binge killing episode. It's like it seems like all the Netflix shows like have have a binge killing episode where you're just like, what's going on? <laughs> this was really good, and now there's nothing is happening. Um, and so, yeah, and it felt like, okay, they're going to spin up this other show. You know, maybe this is like, you know, getting ready for next season or something. Um, uh, but then, yeah, once she came back and they were actually, you know, back to battling um, the the main, the you know, big, flare. the mind flare. Yeah, <laughs> the big bad. I'll just call it that. Um, then uh, that everything was really good. Um, but it did seem kind of final. I mean, the whole dance scene to me, where they're like showing all the actors, uh, actors and actresses, and well, except you know, the last scene. shot, you have well, the mind flare uh, in the upside down watching them. Well, that's true. Uh, that's true. But that was just I just kind of felt like that was just you know so that you didn't completely end on such a happy note that there was. That there was some big bad that's still out there that's going to cause some problems, but I don't know. I kind of feel like, do you think that maybe, you know, whatever Stranger Things three is, they're going to try to, you know, have a different cast because no, no, you know, the, everybody these loves actors, these kids. yeah, these actors are like growing up as well. So that's true, you know. but everybody loves. Then you have it's like Buffy. You have like we saw everybody's first kiss. Like literally, these were these actors. This was these were their first. The first time they ever kissed anybody was on screen. So we saw their first kiss. We've seen them grow up. Uh, and I think next season, because this season you had, the first season you had one Demogorgon. This season you've got the army of the Demiga, uh, the dogs, plus you have the Mind Flayer in control of them trying to break through. But we don't really know what it wants. And I think next season we're going to find out what the Mind Flayer wants and how it's going to figure out how to open up a doorway and why it wants to open up a doorway. And, and I think each season the storyline grows. But yeah, uh, there's no way they're going to do a season without with brand new kids. This show's like so big of a hit, they're not going to risk that. So, 
Yes, so the kids get a year to be happy, and then next Halloween, it's going to go bad again. (laughs) And they may or may not be in high school at that point. They're in middle school now, so... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so next season, they might be their first freshman year in high school. That that could be their thing. Um, But, I mean, they always link growing up with whatever they're fighting. They always put those two together. Well, because the actors are growing up, and also, I think, as I recall, this one was a year later, so right. it works. It's right. Just, right. Yeah, totally. It's like, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you in, in a lot of other shows, they might do a, a cliffhanger that literally leads to another episode, but then the kids might have aged too much, so yeah, it totally works. Yeah, and that's fine, because they leave it on a, on a note where you're like, oh, nothing happened for a whole year. So... Thumbs up. This was a really good season of Stranger Things. I liked it a lot. Um, I don't know if it's better than first season, but I think it was bigger than first season. And, uh, oh, we didn't talk about Sean Astin real quick. His gruesome death was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew he was dead. I well, knew, see, either I knew be... he was not getting out of there. Libya, Libya thought that maybe Sean Astin was evil. Right. But that was what they were going to do, and that was going to be the reveal. Right. So I totally thought that. And apparently uh, say, those showrunners had no intention for me to think that. That was not their intent at all. I, I will say um, the only weakness of the show for me, well, besides that one episode, was um, I, I, I hope in the third season they don't introduce yet another 80s bully teenager character. Like this guy was like, he was just like, well, who's the first bully that's like a nice guy now? Oh. Uh... His name was Steve. Steve, yes. This guy was like Steve on steroids or something. Right. He was just. And now, to be fair, Libby has said this off podcast. By the end of his arc, we do understand why he is the way he is, and it's really more his father and stuff. But I just, I just really tired of those kind of characters. Yeah, I was just, but I, the thing is, uh, listening like, to the producers, they think that they need that because every eighty show movie back then always had such a protagonist and or antagonist and. I okay. Think well then, that, I think they feel like they're doing homage homage to the the genre by adding that character, but I think that worked in the '80s. I don't think it works as well now. No, and, also, and, and they're not giving it a lot of screen time. I will give them that too. They're giving a lot less screen time. I would say if that is their what they want to do, then I would say hopefully the next season it's an evil teenage girl or something like i mean can we oh, not change just have, it up yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's change it up a little like if that's what they're gonna do yeah but teenage girl bullies don't beat you up like that's just not what the no but we don't know what's at stake it could be they could create the situation where that's a bad i don't know i mean like we'll see what they come up with i trust right. them right um, all right well, let's move on real quick so thumbs up i think we're saying thumbs up for yeah, yeah, yeah. things definitely get yeah. a shot uh if you have never watched stranger things where have you been but uh, you definitely should check out season two if you have been watching. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Punisher. And this was the series premiere. And Greg, you did not get to see it, right? No, I did not. So I am going to kind of mute you <laughs> and see if I cannot listen to what you're going to. How many episodes are you going to discuss? Well, what? apparently only one because oh. Peter only watched one. I watched ten. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I made it through a portion of uh, episode one, so go ahead. All right, go, 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 Peter. 
I'm you know, gonna let I, you say your piece because we already talked about this off podcast. So I already know I what you're going to say. I think that well, I'm not going to say everything. I think that um, I think that if you wanted more of Frank Castle in what I thought was actually a pretty good use of the character in uh, Daredevil season two, um, and Libya just watched ten episodes, then I think you're probably going to get what you want. Um, I think for me. So, so kind of weird. It's almost the opposite of like a future man thing uh, where I can't deny it's a it's a well-made show. I think the. Well, my question, why are you not it, watching this on your phone? Like if you're like, eh, it's OK, why don't you just watch that on your phone instead of crappy? Uh, future man? It's, it's not a very because future man at least has like even though it's junky, it's kind of light. I mean, something that's always the trick to me about stuff that takes itself very seriously is that like. You really have to pull that off. And also, yeah, on a bus ride in the morning, eh, Punisher doesn't feel like the kind of thing that I would want to see this dark, grim, I don't know. I mean, like, if that would be conducive to starting my day. Uh, but but I feel like, I don't know. I, you know, the, the guy, I, I didn't really like him as Shane on The Walking Dead, but I, I did think he was good as, as Frank Castle on season two of Daredevil. And he's good here. Like, there's a nice scene where this guy's trying to make his, he's, um, He's like a construction guy, and yeah, there's a building. Yeah. And this guy's like, "Oh, my mom, my grandmother, or mom makes the best uh, sandwiches. You know, you know, you should have one." And he clearly doesn't want to talk to him, but he's trying to be nice, you know. And so, and like that scene's good. And there's later a scene where a bunch of people are meeting a support group for PTSD, and I, I like that scene. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I don't. This is really one of those rare things where I just don't know if I'm. Wait, what were you just talking about on the podcast where you're like? If that's your thing, check it out. You know, like it, well, damnation, but because uh, it's a different kind of show. I, I said that it's a period piece in the 1930s, and not everybody's into period pieces in the 1930s. Right. I but guess, this one, uh, go ahead. I'll let you finish for saying. No, no, well, that just to wrap up, I, I, I really can't. It's not a. I totally don't think it's a bad show. Like I think, like. I think the villains in the first episode are pretty cartoony and stuff. Well, that's what I said. I said that in the first episode, he's dealing with level one thugs. Like, if you were playing a video game, these are your level one thugs. This has nothing to do with what he's going to face later on. Sure. Here's, here's, okay, the one thing I would criticize, because I do think, for some reason, this show isn't really working for me. However, however, um, one thing I don't like that I think you would agree with is... Even though I love shows like Lost, I don't like I don't like flashbacks being used in the way that it is in this show. It's almost like because like on a show like Lost, it's like that's like half the episode is is you're really living in that moment. This is more just to punctuate. Like he's laying in bed and he's thinking of his wife. I, I don't know why, but that stuff kind of drives me crazy. It's very eye rolly to me. Well, I don't. Know. I, I think Punisher like, overused it, especially in the first four or five episodes first four or five episodes every single time he's asleep he has a flashback to his wife which is unnecessary because we've already seen it and it's usually the same flashback um so i was just like dude really um like you get the point they they've gotten the point across and and then the later episodes they stop doing it um but what you haven't even gotten to is uh, the computer guy who is going to be his partner. Like, you haven't gotten to that dude at all. Um, and he's fantastic. 
and he brings comedy to the show. Like he, that is his thing. Cause you were like, there's no comedy. There's no nothing. It's all dark. Uh, the computer geek guy is a funny actor. He, you've seen him a million times. You said, I can't think of the actor's name, but that's kind of why I was like, dude, you should at least give the second episode a shot because that actually introduces the villain that we're going to fight for the season. It introduces well, the, the computer. Geek. Don't, we see, don't we see the villain at the end of the pilot? I think I don't he's think the so. Who, who do you the see? The end of the pilot is this isn't like a huge spoiler. It's basically somebody is watching Castle on a monitor. I, th- I was assuming that's the no. Bad that's guy. not the villain. That's the computer geek who ends up being his partner. What? He looked very evil. He he's looked like not, he's, he's not I evil see. at all. He's pretty funny. Like that's. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. I thought he was the bad guy. No, no, not at all. That's okay. why I'm saying you haven't even met him yet. Like you haven't met the bad guy yet. You haven't met his partner yet. You like how they meet is hilarious. Um, uh, so that's why I'm like, it's kind of hard for you. Cause the first episode is weird. The first episode doesn't really introduce any of the main players. It doesn't really introduce the conflict that's going to happen in the series. And it doesn't introduce, you don't really even see his partner talk at all. So, uh, that's why I was like, you should at least watch the second episode. So you'll at least meet the partner You'll get to see him talk, <laughs> you know? Um, and if you don't like it, then that's fine. But I, I think that the pilot is weird because Netflix knows that people binge. They don't do pilots like network shows do pilots. Like a network show would never have done a pilot without you meeting the partner, without you meeting the villain, you know, with all that. But Netflix is assuming you're going to binge it. So they're playing it differently than a normal pilot would be played but yeah i think on your phone while you're going to work not going to work maybe coming home from work so it's not first thing in the morning but instead of watching future man give the second episode a shot because it's very tonally different from the first and i will the 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 flashbacks with the wife don't get better until later i will warn you of that but they're short they're like right. five seconds. They're like, he wakes up. His wife is there. She's like, I'll get you coffee. And she dies. And then he wakes <laughs> up again. And that happens a lot. And that is irritating. But I think that uh, the storyline, like, there, there's, this, there's, there's some, especially you haven't really met the Homeland Security thing. Because one of your complaints was that there weren't any people of color. And I was like, first of all, the vet guy is a black dude. Uh, and then the woman, she's, uh, Pakistani. Um, I said this off podcast because I yes. think people, he didn't yes. say that. Like right. I did say that. Um, but um, yeah, right. You're right. I mean, yeah, I don't know what's And going. she, she, because she's a huge character. She's like half the story, like half the time you're with him and the other half of the time you're with her. So she's a huge part of the story. Um, and they don't really delve into her in the first episode. You don't really have an idea of who she is until really, you know, you got to get into it a little more. So hmm. maybe, uh, instead of watching future man on your way home, check out the second episode. I think it'll be worth it for you. That's just my, I mean, I really like it. Like I had to make myself stop, <laughs> uh, watching. Because I was like, oh my god. That was basically my Saturday. My Saturday, my, was it my Saturday or my Friday? One of those two days was gone, just watching Punisher. 
but I, I really enjoy it, and I'm probably going to finish it very soon. So, thumbs up for me. Alright, if you have any questions or comments, you can leave them at tvcampfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can listen to us on getpointradio.com, Krypton Radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Later. Bye.